1: Welcome to this special series on Third World Nationalism on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Megu. I also host my own podcasts, Independent Thought and Freedom, and also a story club, Global Politics and Global Cultures. In the wake of a rise in nationalism around the world and its general condemnation by liberals and the left, in addition to the rise of China and Russia, we have put together this series on third world nationalism to nuance the present discourse on nationalism, to note its centrality to anti-imperial anti-colonial politics around the world, the reconfiguration of global power and its inextricability from mainstream politics in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Caribbean. Today, My guest is Isar Godro, author of Scripts of Blackness, Race, Cultural Nationalism, and U.S. Colonialism in Puerto Rico, published by the University of Illinois Press in 2015. Welcome, Isar.
2: Welcome, Kirk, and uh, thank you so much for this invitation. Glad to be here.
1: Yes, uh, I it, uh, I'm glad to have you here, uh, both as a, a fellow, you know, Caribbean citizen, and also, uh, I mean, you're you're in Puerto Rico now, am I right?
2: Yes, I'm in Puerto Rico in Calle, near the mountains.
1: <laughs> okay. Right, so you are in the Greater Antilles in the in the northern part, mm-hmm. and here I, we are in the extreme southern part in the Lesser Antilles. You're, you're basically touching North America. We're touching South America. Mm-hmm. So a nice uh, meeting of both ends of the Caribbean. And not only geographically is it sort of opposed and extreme uh, in terms of its status as you know Trinidad and Tobago being an independent country, uh, former English speaking colony and Puerto Rico, um, uh, being a non-independent territory and from the Spanish speaking, uh, part. So I think, you know, th- that's th- a very interesting, uh, angle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it, we like to ask our authors to start off by giving a little bit of a background to yourself and, you know, what got you interested in the issues of race, cultural nationalism, and U S colonialism in Puerto Rico.
2: Okay. Um, well, um, let's see. Um, I come from a f- middle-class family in Puerto Rico who made up of intellectuals and, uh, mulatos and dark skinned people. And, and, and I came out very light and, and, with blonde, blue eyes, and everybody, this was an issue of talk in my family.
0: <laughs> so,
2: um, and it was a joke, and people always it just, it just they just made a, an issue about it. So, I from very early on, I learned that this this was uh, an important thing, and and, it, and that it carried privilege, right, to to be light skin and have blue eyes, mm-hmm. etc. But I had very very curly hair too, so this also became another racial issue that i had to grapple with in school and you know and um, with the straightening of hair and and grandmothers uh, emphasizing that since I was so lucky to have blue eyes I should definitely straighten my hair as well just to complete the picture um, yeah. so so but but it, it was still a, a particular race a very Caribbean racial dynamics as well I, I had you know a black father I had mulatto uh, you know uh, light skin mulatto mother and and dark darker skin et cetera, etc so I never really grew up as thinking that these were separate groups of People with different cultural backgrounds or anything like that. So when I came to the U.S. Uh, to do grad school, and I and I and I came into contact with this more binary system of, of race relations. And uh, I, I remember a fellow student coming up to me and looking at me, and and uh, she had similar phenotypical features to mine. And so she looked at me and she says, are you mixed race? As if, you know, I found someone else who's mixed race. <laughs> yeah. and, and I said, well, yeah, isn't everybody, you know, I, I because I was yeah. coming from a framework in which this was like sort of, the national, you know, framework for understanding phenotype and differences. So, so then we started a conversation because she was her father was African American, her mother being Swedish, and she grew up in the United States. So, we that sort of contrast and trying to understand how how race in Puerto Rico operated differently or not from the United States. Then that's what started me what What motivated me to think more clearly about this issues and then eventually do fear work in a predominantly black community in the southern region of, of Puerto Rico.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting uh, things y- you mentioned there uh, that is uh, you know so familiar. To us in in this end of the caribbean although you know we we don't we we virtually have zero relations with puerto rico which is part of the whole colonial uh-huh. aspect that that we don't you know uh, both of us probably have you know much more intimate relations with new york city than we do with each other exactly. you know th- unfortunately is
0: that of, is the yeah, yeah.
1: Th- that's colonial geography <laughs> it's colonial logistics that that's the way it's right uh it's always been and it is sad because there's so many insights that that we can uh, gain from each other and you know it's kind of like mirror societies in a lot of ways you know uh, like for instance you know you, you the way you would talk about the way we in the caribbean would talk about you know color um racial categories like Mulatto, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know these things would be so sensitive to say in the United mm-hmm. States, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and all these sorts of things, but it's just so common here. Mm-hmm. Everybody, and and as you mentioned in your book, um, you know, uh, you, you have all these uh, various <laughs> fine distinctions of of uh, you know red, high yellow, mm-hmm. um, you know the mulatto, the these sorts of things that that people use to describe various. Skin, uh, skin tones and colors and ancestry and, <clears throat> and background. And it is not necessarily at all meant to exclude. It's, it's not meant to insult. or it, it, They are, you know, uh, in many ways, uh, mere, you know, neutral statements. Uh, but they, they, they also do have a history. But, you know, in a sense, every word uh, has a history. It, it, but it's, it's not the same thing. So those things are, are very interesting. That, that you do concentrate on, mm-hmm.
0: and, and they require
1: these sure. these
2: terms require a lot of knowledge about context of use because Correct. they can sometimes be used uh, as as insults, but it all depends right. on. How you say it and who you say it and, and who you say it to and, and the status of you versus the person you're talking to, the context. So people have to, like, really manage a lot of social variables uh, before yeah. then they can put meaning to what the terms are <laughs> and how they are That's signified. Right. So, so yes, it, right. it does require a lot of knowledge about context. Um, yeah. that if you Just don't like have the car- it, then you're kind of lost, and
1: Exactly. Just like in the Caribbean, I I would assume it's probably the same in Puerto Rico, but uh, definitely throughout the English-speaking Caribbean. You know, if people say, oh, you're looking fat, that's not an insult. Mm-hmm. That's actually a compliment. Mm-hmm. that you're, you're, you're doing well, you know? Um, if they haven't seen you in a long time, oh, look at you, you put on some size. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these are, um, yeah, it's, it's a totally, tot- I, I remember a couple of incidents abroad, uh, you know, and seeing the the um shock when um (laughs) when when these contexts got mixed up
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but yeah but so now this series is is about third world nationalism and so so um it i know it's not exactly your specialty but you do um speak about things like cultural nationalism Mm -hmm. and so the the you know, the, the importance and the distinction between culture and political nationalism is interesting. You speak about, you know, race and, and, and race and nationalism is so important. The way race is used for nationalism and the, mm-hmm. the way race sort of complicates nationalism. And then the whole Puerto Rican, um situation of, you know, choosing, essentially choosing not to be independent, mm-hmm. especially you know, with the whole decolonization of the 50s and 60s that was sweeping uh, the Caribbean region, that was sweeping Africa and Asia, you know, and then Latin America is very interesting because its independence is is from, you know, the American and French revolutionary times, the the Republican revolutions of the early 19th century, um, whether it be France, uh, the U.S., Haiti. So all these issues uh, i I think your perspective would be very interesting uh, so why don't well why don't you choose one to start which whichever one you're you're most excited about <laughs> talking first
0: yeah
2: I, I think I, I do think that the, the Caribbean is is a interesting region to think about nationalism because most um, island societies of, of the Caribbean are are not uh, formally independent nations, they have different different sorts of, of ties, you know, with the, uh, the the metropolis, the European metropolis that, that were uh, formal uh, in, in empires, you know, and 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 still maintain colonial relationships, uh, and so mainly being England, uh, but also France and and now the the United States and Hol- Poland as well, but. But uh, you know, for France, that in the French Caribbean you have uh, Martinique and, and Guadeloupe, which are considered you know, states of, of the French Union. But but uh, and, and actually, my 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 family comes from from Guadeloupe, uh, right. ways back. But but uh, it, you know, we have so many different. Uh, political uh, disalignments and <laughs> alignments in the Caribbean that really complicate yeah. this idea of nation. And in the case of Puerto Rico, we were first a colony of, of Spain to then quickly uh, become a colony of, of the U S in, in 1898 uh, after the Spanish Cuban American war. Uh, and so in, in effect, Puerto Rico has never been independent of, uh, of course, prior to the to the Spanish colonization, when we have the you know the native uh, uh, populations, but those were practically uh, wiped out uh, through genocide with the colonization of the Spaniards. So Puerto Rico has always, in a sense, been a, in a colonial state. But um, uh, in in the late forties and fifties, sort of a new uh, a sort of uh, revised form of colonialism was instituted through what is now the, the status of Commonwealth. And that meant that we could have local elections and elect a, a, a governor, you know, uh, and have, you know, local, uh, uh, say over some matters, uh, although, you know, national security, uh, the uh, <laughs> banking system and the social security and mail and all these other things still fall fall under U.S. Uh, Congress authority. Uh, but uh, this idea of the Commonwealth, which granted more power to Puerto Rican people on the um, on the at the local level, sort of serve as a sort of curtain to <laughs> to to sort of hide the more fundamental issues of of, of the fact that we were not an independent nation, but it came also, the curtain came also alongside a, a sort of a rhetoric that that was nationalism in, in a way. It, it was it was the sense that we were our own nation, that we had our own culture that was different from the U.S., which which in a sense is is not far from from reality, right? We after many years of Spanish colonialism, we when when the U.S. got here, we were already a kind of different yes. source of people, right? Um, but but of course the under the Nationalism ideology or cultural national ideology that was developed in tandem with this Commonwealth political status, um, then um, th- th- that became sort of a a project uh, a project of the of the new Commonwealth government to create a sense of homogeneity, you know, among the people of cultural homogeneity and say that we could still call ourselves Puerto Rican and have, and defend a Puerto Rican culture while being associated, politically associated. If you want a euphemism for, <laughs> for colonialism, uh, yeah. while being colo- uh, associated with the U S. Um, and, and this was, you know, a, a sort of, um, a rhetoric that was heavily uh, uh, f- funded through different institutes through such as the Institute of puerto Rican culture through the school set up through the and it you know it was to try to to come up with an idea that would um, soften the, the features of, of class the features of race and gender into a, a narrative about uh, cultural homogeneity and us being you know a, a people that could be uh, construed as, as culturally homogeneous and and different from the the metropolis, the US.
1: Mm-hmm. Right now, so there, there are a lot of things I'd like to um, unpack there, uh, and for you to explain and expound upon. Um, let's see, where should I start? Let let me let me just start with a basic question as to um, why is it that Puerto Rico does not wish to become independent. That that's something that, that we find interesting uh here.
2: That why is it that Puerto Rico does not want to become uh an independent independent. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, why why would you say that? I, I know it's not necessarily the focus of your study, but as a as a Puerto Rican mm-hmm. academic, uh I'd I'd be interested in your opinion okay on that.
2: Well, I mean, I guess a very simple answer is that since we have never been independent (laughs) Uh uh, at all, right, because we went straight from U.S. uh, 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 from Spanish uh, uh, imperialism to to U.S. imperialism, then then there's a tendency among people to 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 fear what they don't know. Right. What they we don't we haven't had a period where we were able to. To practice <laughs> being independent, or, or so that's that's one one reason. And then I think the most powerful reason is that in our current uh, neo-colonial state, because of uh, the way in which the the uh, Commonwealth was was negotiated, we are able to have U.S. citizenship. Okay, so we have a Mm -hmm. U.S. passport and and that is something that a lot of Puerto Ricans value and 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 feel that uh, if if, of course, if we were granted independence, then we would lose that. And and it's considered a privilege to be able to travel and and to, Mm -hmm. you know, work, um, have have another, a wide market of, of uh, uh, low <laughs> paid work <laughs> um, available at the, at, in the U.S., right? Yeah. So, yeah. so there are many families, actually, at, at this moment, there are more Puerto Ricans living in the U.S. mainland or in the U.S., continental U.S., than in Puerto Rico. Uh, we, in, in Puerto Rico, is close to 3 million and in the U.S. mainland, there are you know almost four million Puerto Ricans. So right. so every everybody and, here and has a family member. Oh, I don't know the the exact number, okay. but the, the most of the uh, migration is divided between New York City and Florida. New York City right. and Florida are the and then and the migration to New York was primarily during. Um, the 40s and 50s so that was the bulk that was the first sort of uh, uh, area where Puerto Ricans you know moved to. Uh, but then later on it's been Florida so those those two those two states are the ones com- competing the, the most. Uh, So our Caribbean states, I guess, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the in the U.S. So so um, everybody in Puerto Rico, almost everybody has a family member, a a sister or or a cousin who lives in in the U.S. And so that makes uh, it, it for many Puerto Ricans. That means to think of independence means. Also, am I going to be able to keep ties with my family members? You know, am I going to be able to see them as often? Or so it's it's a work related related uh, considerations. You know, family related considerations because of the migration patterns, and also because they look around the Caribbean and they see other independent nations uh, and and their economies and how dependent they are on you know other outside. Institutions like the World Bank, or you know NGOs or other forces, and I think they—they they, it's hard—they—they they find it hard to think that there are successful models of independence in in the Caribbean. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a lot of. Uh, people migrating here, sometimes from the D- Dominican Republic, uh, who use it as a as, as come to Puerto Rico and sometimes stay here, but also then uh, choose to move to, to the U.S. So the, the experience, I guess, uh, <laughs> everyday experience of, of, of uh, Puerto, people in Puerto Rico uh, tells them that maybe independence is not the, the best option.
1: You know that that's very interesting, and, and you raise some important points, and it it does sort of complicate a lot of the simplistic narratives that people have about um, about nationalism and ind- independence and so forth. And, and I think um, I, I think it's important to consider. I mean, even in the um, in the mid twentieth century, during you know the decolonization period, and and perhaps before. People like um, you know Margaret Mead or George Orwell—they didn't advocate um, independence for small countries or for colonies. Um, like even you know or- Orwell in India, um, they they advocate where India is much bigger than um, England, but um, they advocated for sort of re uh, a reconfigured empire that would be more egalitarian, so mm-hmm. like a kind of socialist. Empire, mm-hmm. right? Uh, certainly, that's what uh, George Orwell um, spoke about, and uh, so the, those things are interesting. And and I suppose there's a there is a difference, as you mentioned, between you know Africa and Asia, in particular, where you know there are ancient societies, uh, you know that predate Europe, and and they're they're reaching back to you know some ancient um, identity. Whereas in the Caribbean, we don't have this ancient Mm -hmm. identity. We're 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 not reconstructing um, uh, a a past, uh, you know, a past glory here. Mm -hmm. So there is that difference. I know, and when you speak about things like um, the U.S. passport, I know people in Trinidad would love that situation for everybody to have a U.S. passport, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and there are many people uh, in Trinidad and, and in Jamaica and, you know, where I am very familiar with and, and other countries that, you know, say we shouldn't have become independent. Why? And, uh, and, 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 you know, there is, I, I believe that basically Europe, uh, and England in particular, um, got rid of us rather than we Mm -hmm. fighting for independence, Mm -hmm. you know? So that, Mm -hmm. that was, that was part of it as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, but but even so, uh, there I am interested in the discourse of independence in Puerto Rico, and uh, because you know there was an independence movement as uh, in the Spanish period as well, and and up to today, and c- could you just you know describe it a little and maybe you know you know what their ideas are, what their inspirations are, or what their support is like, uh, you know. Uh, that would be interesting uh, mm-hmm. just to know a little bit more about.
2: Um, well, there, there was a, a movement uh, of, of, in favor of independence um, uh, in, you know, in, in, the, in the 30s, 40s, uh, 50s. And then uh, it was uh, also quite vibrant in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and it was primarily a sort of anti-colonial right, um, mm-hmm. movement. It was not necessarily, uh, at least through the political party, of the, the, the PIP, which is the uh, Partido Independentista Puerto Rican, the, the mm-hmm. uh, Puerto Rican Independence Party. The, that, that party did not have, say, a, a socialist uh, economic proposal, okay? Uh, right. It was kind of still neoliberal or or, or capitalist yeah. um, mm-hmm. so that made the the left to be uh, quite divided and and in the last uh, except for this election which was interesting and we can talk about the elections uh, but in the in the previous say uh, three or four elections that party has gotten a, a very few votes it it, it might range from eight percent to to five percent, and and previous this election, it was only three percent of the vote who were of mm-hmm. the people were voting for for the independence party. Um, so it, it it has the 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 independence movement. Um, is uh is is, is is of course goes beyond the party itself. I mean, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that the party uh, conglomerates everybody who, who wants independence, um, but but it, it is a weak a weak movement uh, at the moment, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, and it was interesting that, um, uh, for example, in the recent plebiscite, um, the the government asked Puerto Ricans whether they would support statehood, uh, yes or no. Um, and just a little bit over half, 52% of, of Puerto Ricans who voted chose statehood. So it's interesting that many people do not favor independence, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there's an overwhelming majority who favor state statehood <laughs> right
0: yeah
2: uh, so you have about half of the people favoring statehood for, for Puerto which means for Puerto Rico to became to become part of the of the US states to, to become the 51st state of the US and then the other half um, uh, you know there's a, a smaller part that wants independence but the other half uh, mostly wants some kind of other, you know, uh, status, um, that is still to be determined. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Right. Um, so it's, uh, that's why my, I have a colleague that calls this strategic entanglements, you know, in the mm-hmm. Caribbean, how, you know, people are trying to grapple with, you know, the, uh, the, the fact that they, they know the whole economic system has been built on, 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 the, on dependency with the metropolis because the met, that's what the metropolis that's why em, um, empires have colonies is because they can get something out of them right mm-hmm. so the economic systems are sort of set up already for the benefit of of a. Of a, an outside metropolis, and it's hard to think of how to create, you know, other different networks. So, so people then try to negotiate within what's already established, and try to think of, you know, how to how to make a better life within those frameworks than just completely separate themselves off from them and and that's why I think there's very little support for the independence movement however having said that Kirk I have to say that there are a lot of there's a lot of um, interesting things happening in terms of uh, affirming autonomy sort of communal autonomy or regional autonomy so you have for example people building communities where they starting to uh, farm and grow food from themselves. So, so as a critique of all the food coming from, you know, elsewhere here uh, and trying to think of systems of autonomy in, st- in terms of energy or water, there's about 200, more than 250 communities right now that are controlling their own water systems <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and uh, that are, you know, sort of moving, trying to, to, not depend on the government so much. Um, uh, and so that I think that is really interesting. And that became particularly prominent after the Hurricane Maria, uh, when, you know, for so many months, people felt like they were just completely abandoned. And so communities started getting together and forming their own networks of support to survive. And and so we we are seeing it at different levels. Also municipalities, like municipalities claiming to have, you know, their own epidemiology system to deal with a pandemic and trying to close off, you know, uh, uh, access to, to other municipalities that that are considered to be less safe and uh, or to or building up their own energy system, solar energy panels and, and trying to get the town completely solar. So, so those are movements that I think are, are much smaller in scale, but uh, I think that say a lot about, you know, how people are trying to to think of more uh, autonomous systems where at the local level, at the community level, they can have more control over their resources.
1: Right. And then there's another thing I, uh, about this question that I'd like you to elaborate on, which is, um, I mean, you spoke about, um Puerto Rico, never being independent, but uh, before, but in a sense, I mean, throughout Latin america and and Central America well, Central America, South America, I mean, during that whole sort of republican period, uh, you know, they you know they had the the national the nationalist you know enthusiasm sweep through the region, but i I suppose it and even Cuba, mm-hmm. right next door. But it, but it's it skipped uh, Puerto Rico, it seemed. Uh-huh. So that that's interesting. Uh, I'd like you to comment on. But also to tie that in uh, to something you mentioned in your book, how uh, a former governor, you know, said, you know, Puerto Rico was not a nation, never a nation, and it is not a nation. Uh-huh. Uh, you know that the U.S. is their nation. Uh-huh uh and then that <laughs> provoked a huge backlash yes. as well yes. so um, yeah if you can comment on that right I'm because
2: uh, because uh, and, and and thanks for the question so related to your last comment on on the huge backlash that it provoked this statement of, of saying that Puerto Rico is not a nation the nation is our nation is a u.s is because of mm-hmm. course people don't necessarily uh, uh Think that it's, it's the same because it's not. To to think of an independent nation state is equivalent to think that we are an that we are a nation or that we have our 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 distinct culture or our distinct identity as Puerto Rican people are very very much. Uh, uh, defend, defend, you know, with a lot of fervor, uh, the idea that uh, they are Puerto Rican, that Puerto Rico uh, is a is a different culture, that that, that uh, we have a different way of being from from the Gringos <laughs> or the okay, or people yeah. in the United States. So this this sort of identity is is very very important. So when that governor said basically we don't have a national identity, then people took up to the streets but if you were to ask those people if that if that means that they want to become politically independent the majority will say no
0: <laughs> right yeah, yeah
2: um so so it's, it's it's not it's not the same um so and then and then the issue of why it skipped puerto rico why why, why the independent the movements for independence skip uh, Puerto Rico. Um, it is a, a complicated question, but I would say it could have to do with the fact that Puerto Rico during this the Spanish period, during the the, pe- the, the period when it was colonized by Spain, did not develop a strong uh elite, a strong criollo elite. Okay. Cuba did. Okay. Yeah. Cuba had some uh uh, creol- creoles you know, like uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, people of born, people, yeah. you know, sp- Spaniards or, or people of Spanish born descent islands. born yeah. in the island who had acquired a great deal of capital um, and and wanted to control the the government, you know, wanted to control the, the economies in, in the island, mm-hmm. and and uh, but in, in Puerto Rico that local elite was rather weak. Um mm-hmm. so so the the movement for independence, e- e- even though you know, there were some important uh, uh, battles that were fought, you know against the Spaniards uh, and and later uh, some important leaders like Albizu Campos and other very important movements of the nationalist movement, you know, uh, it, 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 they still, were a, a minority and it wasn't uh, the, the U S colonial forces were able to quell uh, those, right. uh, those movements with a lot of violence, I might say, you know, and, and mm-hmm. actually there were some massacres that occurred, you know, that uh, some, this is, you know, a concrete mm-hmm. a repression I'm talking about. So, so that, that movement uh, right now is, 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 very uh, weak, or, or for yeah, for independence.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because I mean, especially if, uh, from from us from the independent Caribbean, and you know, you look at the map of the Greater Antilles. Let's say, and it's Cuba, it's Haiti, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, and Puerto Rico is, you know. Is the only non-independent one, and it is a curiosity from from our perspective, you know. So it, it's it's interesting to explore it. But there but are that, many
2: that are, are not independent, also, like yes, you know, yes. you, in, the, especially the, in the, the Lesser
1: Antilles. Yeah, yeah. and
2: the, uh, yeah, in the Lesser Antilles, most of them are, are not, yeah. right? Yeah and, you,
1: and, yeah, and then
2: there's the Martinique and, and Guadeloupe, you know, yeah. and so.
1: The Virgin Islands mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the ABC Islands yeah, and yeah. Cayman. It's and actually the, Caicos, the norm.
2: And- I mean, if you look at all of them, the norm is that yeah. not they're not independent.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, and yeah, so uh, let's see. It's an, it's, it, it makes a, a, an important distinction between the sort of economic and political. Mm-hmm. And, nationalism and the idea of the nation state and then sort of a cultural idea of the nation right. and you know there there was um i saw this recent video the other day it, it just came to my mind so i i, I didn't look it up uh, before but um it was of these musicians from up and down the caribbean i think including independent and non-independent but definitely including um spanish-speaking and english-speaking and you know and and it was i can't remember what they called it if it was something like mulatto nation but basically you know there's a there's a particular type of mix of caribbean people it's not just black and white mm-hmm. you have a little bit of taino you, have, you might have a little bit of chinese somewhere you might have a little bit of indian uh, somewhere it's it's just um and it it, it it's a curious kind of peculiarly Caribbean mix that is very very common here mm-hmm. but it is unusual in other places of the world yes. right and um and so you uh you know and we have all sorts of names uh for these uh, people in our islands right uh um uh, to to describe them because you know and and there's a a term in Trinidad we say a Kalaloo, someone who's uh-huh. re- so mixed up right Kalaloo right? uh, mm-hmm. uh, is kind of like uh, for Americans kind of like gumbo I think mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with okra and um,
2: or a sancocho and, um, here <laughs> yeah,
1: sancocho <right>, Sanco- correct <laughs> and you swizzle it up and it's a soup of mixed up of all sorts of stuff and you don't know where right. you know what is what mm-hmm. so that's it you know that's a, the kind of mixture and so, so that that was interesting to to see all these kinds kind you know, the, the similar mixtures of people but one from puerto rico one from trinidad one from jamaica one from cuba one from the dominican republic and you know you can pick them up and just throw them in each other's country and we'd never know that okay. they're not from our country uh-huh. you know what i mean uh-huh. uh, it, it's and and so so that so, so there are two aspects there Uh, About nationalism, you know, relating to the old idea, which is very out of favor now, but about a peoplehood and and race in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. That that nationhood. I mean, and you know, in Jamaica, what's what's very interesting in the Caribbean is how a lot of um, old English terminology. I'm sure it's probably the same in Spanish-speaking, but it survives here where it may have died. Um, in England and America, like, mm-hmm. like they use the term chains in Jamaica quite a bit, mm-hmm. like for distance, how many chains away, oh, right? That's like, uh-huh. that's but another so, thing mm-hmm. I remember is the use of the word nation for race, mm-hmm. right? I, I remember, you know, somebody in, an older Jamaican asking me, well, you know, what nation am I from? Meaning what, not necessarily where, um, you know, where I'm coming from, but what race am I?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know mm-hmm. and uh, so that that idea of nation and race and that there's this Caribbean race because in Trinidad, because we, we have a, a, a straw, both the Indians from India mm-hmm. and uh, ancestrally from India and the Africans are roughly the same proportion, roughly around 40 percent each. Right? Mm-hmm. and and so so there's a lot of, of ethnic issues uh, so far and it complicates nationalism mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, especially because so much of Caribbean nationalism is tied to Afrocentrism and, and African mm-hmm. and Black nationalism, mm-hmm. so so that that is an issue there. Uh, but then you have another group of people who say, "Listen, you know, Africans and Indians are fighting all the time, but we are the true Trinidadians. You know, you guys can go back to Africa or India, but we are, you know, mm-hmm. we are the mix, the true Kalaloo people here, and 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 you know, we really define the nation. But we're drowned out by this warring between you know the, the, the two groups but but these uh, you know the way race and nationalism uh, complicate each other mm-hmm. at the same time as being built on each other mm-hmm. is very interesting in the caribbean where we don't have these ancient societies to draw upon or revive we have to have a modern outlook because we're creating something new, right? Uh, I'd like to hear your perspective from the Puerto Rican experience on this. I, th- I think it's very important.
2: Yes, it's a, it's a complex issue, as you pointed out. I think it's important, right? That that I think in the in the third world, uh, this you see very in a very evident way this split between the uh, nationalism, the economic and political <laughs> considerations of nationalism, and it's tied to a state, right? To the, to the idea mm-hmm. of a nation-state. Uh, and then the cultural uh, dimensions of nationalism, um, which can also then be uh, confounded with with ideas about race and ethnicity. Um, so, so in Puerto Rico, of course, you see this very... Clear break between the nation state as being one thing, one thing that we do not even fight for, <laughs> like, yeah. that we've decided we're not going to, you know, strive for having a, an independent nation state. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, but then the other side of the uh, nationalist, uh, cultural nationalism, right, of, of the nationalism that's defined, you know, in terms of the affin- affinities, uh, spirituality, uh, cultural uh, and, and ethnic um influences or heritages, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and of course, um, it is true that in the Caribbean, we have to force new uh, formulas <laughs> of, of who we are, because we don't have a reference, an ancient reference uh, from which to, to hold on to. So our reference uh, is our our uh, colonial, uh, <laughs> our colonial history, right? Mm-hmm. And so in Puerto Rico, the, the notion of, of a culture uh, and where it comes from, you know, the origins of this culture, then uh, the, the standard discourse is that it comes from the mix, the mixture of the Spaniards, the, uh, the, in, the Tainos, the, the Native mm-hmm. Americans, and the African heritage, and, yeah. and and then so this is sort of a very common in Latin America, which is this notion of mestizaje, right? And, and the mm-hmm. notion that this mix that everybody carries around this mix. Uh, I, I think this is maybe a little bit different. Although it calls on Kalalu, right, and other yeah. forms of, but maybe in Trinidad you have more of an idea of there being discrete groups, uh, as well as, as other people who are mixed. But but in Puerto Rico, the the official national discourse doesn't allow for this notion of there being discrete groups. We we uh, we do not entertain officially. I mean, you know through the Commonwealth government, doesn't hasn't supported the idea that there are Afro-Puerto Ricans and Indo-Puerto Ricans and Euro-Puerto Ricans, right? We don't, yeah. we don't, we don't, um, that, ha- that kind of discourse hasn't been uh, popular here. What is popular is the idea that everybody is mixed and then you have people in a continuum, some darker, some lighter, but that everybody could somehow lay claims to eat, either of these three heritage, European, African, or or Taino. The problem, right, is is that when you talk about nationalism, and and as you say, we have to come up in the Caribbean with a new form, a a new, you know, we have to claim a a, a new origin. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem is, is in that process, we haven't been able to get rid completely of the uh, Eurocentrism, uh, that accompanies our colonial histories, right? So in a sense, to sort of prove that we are worthy <laughs> and that we are a worthy nation, uh, if you look at the writings of, of the intellectuals and the literates who try to come up with, you know, what is this thing we're going to call Puerto Rican culture, what you see is that there is an a uphold and a, and a, and a value placed on their European heritage or yeah. all those other heritages so there's a whitening a whitening uh, ideal uh what we call mm-hmm. blanqueamiento that is then uh, that runs throughout all these narratives about mixture so the fact that so we could, could I ask uh-huh. something
1: about that term blanqueamiento? um is is that is, is that a commonly used term or is that some a term like you you coin as a critique or or, or do people actually call yeah because i know mestizaje is pretty common mm-hmm. right
2: um, but, yeah. bla,
1: but blanquemento a commonly used word or is that kind of like an academic or political critique
2: uh i think actually even mestizaje is a little bit academic here in puerto okay. rico people will usually just say mezcla which is mezcla, right, right. mezcla period. Yeah, mezcla. Right? That's um, it, yeah. Mestizaje maybe it's, it's a little bit more um, uh, <laughs> Right,
1: intellectual, <laughs> intellectual. Yes, and yes, also yes,
2: blanqueamiento yes. as well as intellectual, but people do understand what it means to say some so for example sayings like you have to improve the race, you know, mejorar yes. mejorar la raza. Uh, wow. You know, and ideas about blanquita—you know, someone being blanquita or someone's—you know—so yeah. there is there's a lot of colloquial terms that are, that allude to light skin privilege Correct. and to the idea and the hair, and and hair good hair, bad hair, you know, we have yeah. all that, although, so yeah. even if, even if blanqueamiento as a specific term is, is, is a little bit, you know, more intellectual or academic, there are a lot of colloquial terms and sayings yeah, that point absolutely. to the idea that we, that to become lighter is better and more beautiful and more mm-hmm. civilized etc cetera, etc cetera. so racism is alive and well even though we we have a construction of nation that that um, values mixture but values yeah. mixture also as a mechanism for whitening
1: absolutely mm-hmm. Absolutely, because this is you know when you speak about the discrete groups and the mixture too. This is this is one of the problems in Trinidad and Tobago where I live, because the the sort of Creole society, right? If 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 we divide Trinidad into two, into the Indian being from India mm-hmm. and Creole society, so the Creole society then is is almost exactly what you describe in Puerto Rico. So they have this this ideology of mixture. That there's this black-white continuum, mm-hmm. but definitely the white is valued is more valued than the black, and you know, and, and the, the Christian over the pagan and, and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, because there there are still some Yoruba practices, Orisha and Shango, um, that we have here, and um, and of course, and and then the, the lower class type of uh, syncretic Christianities. Um, among uh, you know Afro-Afro-Trinidadians, uh, of course, but the Indians, on the other hand, um, never never bought into that whole mixture. I mm-hmm. I, I think they they uh, you know the the Indians I think understood that that two things they they didn't want to lose the ancestral culture, mm-hmm. and then they knew that going into that mixture. Um, and that, that deal was one in which their ancestral cultures would be, you know, devalued and shamed Uh and ridiculed and something to get rid of Mm -hmm. and, and sort of assimilated into the, to the Creole mixture. So so that, so that's very interesting because. I would imagine then, because the same thing—I'm—I'm I'm sure you probably know about Carlos Moore and Cuba mm-hmm. when he talks about you know the, all the things about yeah. black identity in Cuba and how blackness is erased by this ideology—is mm-hmm. um, is, does the same thing go on in Puerto Rico? I would imagine it—it it does that. This kind of black nationalism and black identity and black consciousness may be frowned upon. Uh, because it, it, it sort of counters this idea of mixture. Definitely, uh, is, definitely, is
2: yeah. De- definitely mm-hmm. that is an issue in Puerto Rico, and blackness is often erased or is often seen as, a, as an element that needs to be whitened or as an element that shouldn't be highlighted. However, however, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the discourse, the, nas- the cultural national discourse, uh, official discourse cannot completely disregard it. Right, yeah. because it would create a huge, you know, problem for governance. <laughs> uh, even yeah. if it's you know colonial governments, uh, it would create a problem. So, so they have to recognize it somehow. But it, how they recognize then has to be uh, carefully managed, right? So, Correct. so that it doesn't contradict the Eurocentric, uh, you know, main thrust of, of, of the hegemony of the discourse. And and so that is what my book scripts of blackness is is about right i'm interested yeah. in, in looking at how this component this this black african component of the mixture is sort of handled or tried to or mitigated uh through you know a governance and and by creating certain scripts you know that are then as accepted as the scripts of blackness so 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 yes we celebrate blackness into as as far as it has to do with music, with a dance, with certain folkloric aspects that are couched and and uh, and um, displayed, you know, in nas- in cultural nationalism through a rhetoric that is um, that doesn't problematize and doesn't doesn't trouble <laughs> um, the 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 ideas of uh, you know that there the idea that there's stark social inequality and that there is racism and there is, you know, a problem of dispossession of, of, of the, of those who inherited, uh, the, 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 the less privileged part of slavery. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, so, so the nationals rhetoric, uh, cultural nationals rhetoric, right. In a, in a neo-colonial setting, I was interested in looking at how it tries to tame, the, the issue of blackness uh, through its, you know, through its rhetoric and, and, and official discourses. But yes, we do not. So in Puerto Rico, in, in, as, as in, in contrast to Jamaica, or in contrast to the English Caribbean, we do not have a rhetoric of Afro-Caribbean nationalism. That is yeah. not what we have. What we have is a very Eurocentric uh, yeah. rhetoric of mixture. That privileges yeah. uh, their European and, and, and white aspect of that mixture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, but e- even in Jamaica, you know that 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 idea of mixture with uh, Euro um, with, with European being dominant uh, is is very very strong. It's just that the 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 Af- the kind of black nationalists. Um, resistance has also been very culturally strong through uh-huh. Rastafarianism. and right. So really people from the outside actually have a very different picture of, of Jamaica in a lot of ways because, because Jamaica still is dominated by the similar type of discourse. And, and, and what is interesting in the Trinidad and Tobago situation mm-hmm. is, that, um, is that where um, the Africans are politically hegemonic mm-hmm. and culturally hegemonic, uh, they actually treat Indo-Trinidadians, Hindu-Trinidadians, in the same sort of condescending, contained way. Mm-hmm. So they'll say, "Oh yes, but we recognise Diwali and Eid." Uh, isn't that enough, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, so you know, we, we're not racist. We we have these, um, you know. So so why are you complaining about being excluded, right? Uh, you know, and, and so it's it's very very similar, except with uh, the the afros. Being in a different position, it's right, like a, right. in, in the, they're in the subordinate. So it's a it's a structural issue in in many ways, um, and and that's fascinating uh, comparatively uh, across uh, the islands. So I, uh, you know, there's um so, so th- this 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 idea of, of of how to to integrate it. I don't know when I visited Mexico, I was amazed. Uh, I'll tell you okay the, the, a stage before Mexico is Cuba where the first time I went to Cuba mm-hmm. I mean I thought I I've seen mixed people and mixed societies before being in the Caribbean being in and living in in sort of metropolises like Toronto one of the most mixed place mm-hmm. ethnically diverse places in the world and being in London you know so I, I thought I saw you know mixtures quite but you know when I was in Cuba it was something, else completely i guess because i saw poor white people not middle class or upper Mm -hmm. class, poor white people and poor black people living so close Mm -hmm. cheek by jowl Mm -hmm. and that was uh that was very very unusual and and so it got me thinking more about the you know uh, about the spanish attitudes to race which is very different from the english-speaking world Mm -hmm. and i know you talk about that and then when i i the, the few times I visited Mexico, I was very, very fascinated. I think it's the most successful example I've seen of uh, an integration of the pre-Columbian past, mm-hmm. the colonial past, and the independent history, all together in a seamless whole, going from Aztec to Spanish to independence, uh, in, in a way that I, I found very admirable mm-hmm. uh, and interesting uh i w- what's your um observations about about these things about the, uh, the way that, you know this type of integration um uh, has been in in these countries and then compared to puerto rico and other places
2: well i i don't i don't know i don't know enough about mexico except to say i've been in mexico i've <laughs> seen you know and, yeah. I, and i and i do know that their, their idea of mestizaje then integrates much more the the Native you know Americans population because there were actually large civilizations there by yeah. by the time the Spaniards got there and and that were not wiped out, right? Uh, As is is the Mm -hmm. case of the the colonial experience in the Caribbean came alongside with genocide, right? So in the Caribbean, we have very few remnants of of those societies, which is different from the the reality of Mexico, where you have Mm -hmm. thriving, you know, thriving (laughs) empires. Uh, But, but I, I, I would, you know, I would venture to say that the, those societies, those Native American societies, the Mayans, the Aztecas, the, you know, are are still in in quite marginalized positions, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, as as mm-hmm. communities, you know, as rural communities, yeah. uh, and that if you look at the elites, you know, the Mexican elites, uh, you you won't find, you know, uh, uh, that among. That class, yeah. you know, there are a lot of representatives yes. of, of those indigenous societies. So, so I would say yeah. there's still a struggle, you know, to, to recuperate Absolutely. the resources that were taken. Um through colonization. Uh, so, so, and then in, in Puerto Rico, I, I think you would see that uh, similar, although Puerto Rico and Cuba are, are, are very different in some sense in terms of race relations, but but you would find also very poor, light-skinned people, you know, living yeah. living next door to, to dark-skinned people, and you will have you will find a lot of mixed marriages, you know. And my family is a, is a is a good example, you know, and 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 other examples as well. Also, I, I, of course, the. the the poorer sectors are more mixed <laughs> than the than the uh, more privileged sectors, which tend to be more racist, right? And, and tend right. to be more more uh, uh, aware of trying to keep the bloodlines, you know, uh, pure or privileged, you know, in, in a sense. So, so um, I think that that you know there are so it's they are societies, uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Cuba, in which you actually. Mixture is a real thing. you know you do yeah. you do see it in the streets, you know, people recognize it, people understand what is. But that um, the important thing is that nationalist discourse, whether it's cultural nationalism or state nationalism, has used this idea of mixture to negate racism. Right. To say that it doesn't exist, that because because they given the monopoly of racism to the U.S. So whatever doesn't look like the U.S. example, whatever doesn't look like Jim Crow, uh, then it's not racism. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And then then we have a problem. Right. Because then we have a very particular way of of defining racism as being, you know, A model based on on dichotomous, you know, groups and and um, and then we we cannot then analyze our own racisms, which which Mm -hmm. happen, which which occur on a daily basis alongside these uh, notions of of uh, mixture uh, that are also, you know, quite prevalent so mm-hmm. so the past the fact that mestizaje and mixture does not get rid of racial hierarchies is some is something that we need to then address more profoundly in our caribbean societies and and in latin american societies with the ideology of mestizaje as well
1: yeah uh, absolutely I, I i think that's and it's very interesting because you know we have a. Uh, a similar sort of ideological battle here in Trinidad, but you know, with with different ethnic actors. But it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, that's that's fascinating to see um, to see the same structure, but with the actors shuffled uh-huh. differently. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and th- there's one other interesting point I'd like to ask you about. I, I'm I'm always interested in you know the comparison between the independent and non-independent. Right, so so in the independent Caribbean, w- you know, we kind of look down in some ways uh, on on the non-independent territories mm-hmm. as kind of you know being, uh, yeah, you know, still being colonies, right? Mm-hmm. So so that status, so, so not, uh, but you know, um, I remember once when I was in Martinique and at a hotel, and the sugar packets in in the hotel, right? When you look at the pictures on it, it was Edward Glissant it was i don't think they had fanon they, they might have had Fennel, mm. but uh, oh. a Césaire, oh. patrick Chamoiseau, mm-hmm. right so they had all these great you know mm-hmm. afro martinican philosophers yeah. writers mm-hmm. on sugar packets yeah. in a hotel yeah. i said you would never see this in trinidad right? mm-hmm. so we we're independent and and we would never and, and they're so called dependent and yet you know they they have this pride mm-hmm. there and, and and, you know and I would see things like um, uh, you know some of the old um, houses and, and whatever and estates preserved in Martinique in, in a way that they're just left to rot here in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And, and partially it's because of you know because the whites were, were such a, a small, a number in the English-speaking Caribbean, like unlike Puerto Rico, where the, the slaves were a small number, mm-hmm. in in these societies they were the majority. So there's a sort of unease as to you know should we preserve the past? How should we preserve the past? Uh, do we destroy the past? Um, you know what you know what what is the, the relationship you know towards that you know that terrible past of slavery mm-hmm. um, is it something worth preserving or not so so you have all these questions and and in the meanwhile and then you know coupled with the economic problems uh, you know and and can we devote so much resources to these things um, so we lose a lot of our history but in in the non, independent Caribbean mm-hmm. they are preserving their history and the and honoring of writers in a way that, that we don't you know mm-hmm. so I find that very interesting uh, what's the situation like in Puerto Rico with things like that Isn't it, um, it's a
2: really good question um, I it's it all depends on how much funding right it's mm-hmm. been allocated to to the government at different moments to promote uh, cultural projects, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and so so one thing, on the one hand, you, ha- you have what the government can do, right? Yeah. And then on the other hand, you have what, what the people value, right? What people yes. on the ground value, regardless of whether the state funds it or not, or whether the government funds it or not. Uh, and I think in Puerto Rico, overwhelmingly, I mean, there is a very strong pride in being Puerto Rican, right? Mm-hmm. And and you see it across, you see the flag everywhere, you know, you've seen people saying yo soy boricua pa que tu lo sepas, and, and this is like a very, you know, it's almost hegemonic
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> celebration of, 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 of a cultural national identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as far as what the government has been is able to do with this, you know, with with the examples that you bring in terms of preserving national monuments or taking care of, for, of national forests or, you know, putting, you know, the 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 pictures of 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 national thinkers and philosophers in in <laughs> in sugar. Yeah. Um, pockets um, that uh at the moment is not possible i mean we right. are seeing because we are in such a a crisis a fiscal crisis right uh where we are seeing the 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 end of, a, of an era uh uh where you know previously puerto rico was showcased as a as you know, the example of what North American intervention could do in the Caribbean and Latin America—that was, you know, in the '60s and '70s and '80s—and after that, uh, right now we are looking at a at a very completely different picture, where we where the whole state and the whole country is in bankruptcy, right, because mm-hmm. of yeah. bondholders, and we are we are living in an, an, an economy of serious debt. Right. Yeah. And, and austerity, a strong austerity. So all the public services are, are you know, uh, have are depleted, you know, the, the some 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 structures that were considered to be national monuments or important, uh, you know, national um, sites are just run down and have not been able to to be kept up. Uh, so right now we are we are in a state what you would say you know similar maybe to Trinidad where you see mm-hmm. that it's not the, the the this pride for you know a national identity which people still have on the ground you know is not being able is not being um, financed by the by the local colonial government at this time it was previously financed, you know, in the forties and fifties when the US had a had a a project of 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 presenting itself, you know, as as an as, as important influence in the you know, in the Latin American and Caribbean region. But that is no longer the case. So so, I guess uh, right now what we're just living is austerity and, and bankruptcy, and then people trying to in the in the, in that context trying to find ways for more local autonomy and figure out ways to survive, you know, with the resources they have at hand.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well. To, to, I, I've kept you here for, for about an hour now, so I, I suppose you can move to, to wrap up, but I, I know you were, you were worried that we wouldn't make the hour, but I knew there's a lot <laughs> we have to talk about, um, but, it, but to kind of wrap up that, if for the, the series perspective, then l- let me ask you, so what would you say, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, in terms of the discourse on nationalism from your perspective in in Puerto Rico what what would be your final reflections on on discourses of nationalism today uh,
2: in Puerto Rico i say that may that there was a, a a successful project one that maybe i don't agree with but there was mm-hmm. a very successful project of trying to separate political Uh, An economic nationalism from cultural nationalism and making those two things seem separate, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was a a very successful project because to this day, you know, we can see how people can affirm, you know, a national culture and identity, uh, yet not see that struggle or that affirmation linked to political or economic autonomy. That that's one thing um, so, but then um, thinking about thinking about it now in this current moment of austerity and, and debt and, and crisis fiscal crisis for Port, for Puerto Rico especially after Maria uh, and the hurricanes and now with the pandemic, I think nationalism might be questioned uh, in a way that it wasn't before um because the the reality of of colonialism is much more in our face now right we have we had a we had Trump <laughs> the Trump administration treat us with a lot of disdain he came here after Puerto Rico threw paper towels at us uh, uh, and and has has a rhetoric that has made uh, the colonial our colonial predicament much more evident um so I think um it's an interesting time where people may be thinking about nationalism in a, in a different way, in a way that's maybe more anti-colonial than, than before, mm-hmm. just because colonialism is much more up in our face now. And then are looking maybe for ways to gain autonomy, not, not through the state. Or, and, 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 and not in ways that get rid of that U.S. passport, <laughs> but mm-hmm. in yeah. ways that that allow for more control over local immediate sources, resources at the community level. And and I think that's kind of an interesting kind of even anarchist
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> approach. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that that deserves more attention. And, and I think. At least gives me hope, you know, that in some ways people always find ways to find dignity, uh, and, mm-hmm. and to find ways to to, to control their the resources with with whatever they have at, at hand, even if they can't, uh, if they don't see it's possible through this large state, you know, structures, uh, it, you know, and, and the, the complicated way, ways in which they're situated, situated, you know, in this global, in this <laughs> network of global capitalism, but they still find ways to, to find a dignified ways of, of being and, and solving their problems uh, with, with the networks and the resources they have at hand. Um, and, and in, in that way, it is a sort of everyday anti-colonial practice. Um, uh, and so I, I think it's, it, it deserves that we look more into that especially at this at this moment of, of crisis that we're going through um, at the moment
1: <laughs> okay that's that's interesting and uh, before we close uh, can you uh, this book was written in 2015 so uh, do you have uh, are you working on any other projects right now is there a website or, or where can listeners go to find out more about your work and what you're doing
2: OK, yeah, well, um, the, the scripts of Blackness is, is, uh, is uh, featured, you know, you can buy it through Amazon or th- directly through the, the website of the uh, University of Illinois Press. And then as far as me, then uh, if you go to um, the University of Puerto Rico at, at Calle, um mm-hmm. And then you look up uh, research, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna find my name and and I'm currently working on on, on other projects, but they're all, always linked to to race and racism. And I'm actually right now working on um, colleagues, Putting together an anti-racist pedagogy uh, uh, training, anti-racist pedagogy training for teachers uh, in Puerto Rico that that would uh, to look at our African heritage uh, in a more dignified way that that the uh, you know that that, mm-hmm. that it has been so and that that project is called Arrancando Mitos de Raíz, pulling up myths from the roots. Arrancando okay. Mitos de Raiz. So, if you put that in Google, it will, it will come up.
1: Okay, well, great, great. Well, thanks so much for this interview. It's been very informative and enjoyable.
2: It has been enjoyable for B2Kirk. Thanks a lot.
1: So, once again, the book is Scripts of Blackness Race, Cultural Nationalism, and U.S. Colonialism in Puerto Rico published by the University of Illinois Press in 2015. And we've been speaking to its author, Isar Godro. And thanks also to you, our listeners. Make sure you sign up for our notifications so you don't miss any new interviews on this channel in future. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.